0: On today's Locked On Thunder podcast, we're going to dive into the top storylines around the Oklahoma City Thunder as this team transitions into training camp a couple of months from now, plus your mailbag questions. What's on your mind here in the summer for the Thunder? We'll talk about all that coming up on today's Locked On Thunder podcast. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team. Every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast. On the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member, and editor in chief over at thunderousintentions.com. Ryland Styles, you can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LO Pod. Email the show, Pod at On today's show, we're diving into the biggest storylines heading into training camp, the best trios that could possibly form on this team. And lot of you had questions this week about the process of covering this team so we'll talk about that as well because we're gonna make this show about you anything you're interested in we'll talk about because we're here for you every single morning every single day talking thunder basketball subscribe for free across all podcasting platforms so you never miss an episode you everydayers are so great at making sure that you are here getting this thunder content every day so i appreciate you uh, gonna be of course a little bit of a dry spell in the nba but there's still some things out there to be sorted out the dame trade the possible james harden trade uh, and all the ripple effects from that plus only a matter of weeks until fiba world cup which will be very important for the thunder You have many representatives um across the fiba world cup landscape with that so After that, it'll be media day training camp. Everything else will be rolling in. So make sure that you roll it on and watch and listen, and subscribe to Lockdown Thunder anywhere you get your podcast from. Today is a podcast, so let's get to your questions at MK325491. What is the biggest storylines entering training camp? So, you know, training camp will roll around here at the end of September and, We'll have media day, we'll have training camp for a couple weeks, preseason, and then it'll be go time. And some of the biggest storylines, I think, will be number one, first and foremost, of course, finding out what this roster looks like. We did a roster projection on last week's podcast. Many of you asked this week what the projection is, You know, who would I keep, who would I cut. Uh, Go back and listen to last week's podcast where we did the whole roster. We lay out the entire roster, gave who was on the chopping block, gave who I would cut, um, and, and, and kind of the rationale behind all that. So for a more deeper dive answer, go back to that. But getting the actual answer in training camp will be a lot of fun and like very interesting uh, because I think that the Thunder are going to embrace that, that competition and, and going to allow training camp to be a breeding ground for competition and, and allow training camp to be a spot where guys truly do earn um, their spot on the roster and maybe change some preconceived ideas of what the roster crunch will look like. Number two, I think who is going to have like an eye-opening leap? This team is still so incredibly young that like there's going to be somebody, if not multiple somebodies, who look entirely different from what we last remember of them. And you go back to even last year's training camp, Pokoshevsky, like Mark was speaking glowingly on Pokushevsky, and he's very much, you know, a, a measured coach. And, and and when he talks, uh, I, I think that you know you should listen because he says really good stuff. But also, like, it's not coach speak, and and we says stuff it, it kind of ends up being true, ninety nine point nine nine percent of the time. And so with Poku, he he was just going on and on about uh how different Poku looks, and how we wouldn't really even believe that this was the same guy if if we were able to see what he was doing in training camp. And that translated to. Um, the, the season and you until until his initial injury in December Poku looked like an t- entirely different player like he looked like a more relaxed a more comfortable player uh, playing within the flow of an offense and not trying to do too much he kind of cut out some of those blooper real plays and, and and made some some impactful plays for OKC up until that injury so that was really evident right away uh Kenneth Williams last year at training camp right away said that that J-Leb has all-star potential and at the time I think that, that kind of got was you know raised some eyebrows and it was like, yeah, okay, you're just kind of uh, hyping up your teammate. But then, lo and behold, we saw throughout this rookie season, they're like, yeah, it wouldn't surprise any of us if J-Dub eventually becomes an all-star in this league. So f- finding out what the vibe is from the team, from coaches, from players, of who's taken a, taken a leap, I think will be the number two storyline to watch for Thunder training camp. And then number three would be Mitic, like what, what what does he look like? In the NBA, is his, is his skill set translating, etc. What, what's the plans for him? I, I think that we have a pretty good idea of what the plans are. He's going to come off the bench. Uh, we're going to talk more about his role coming up on this show. But like, just seeing him play NBA basketball, like uh, you know, in preseason and, and then, of course, starting out his rookie season in, in the NBA, that's going to be a big storyline. Uh, Chet, I think, will be a big storyline. Obviously, Chet being healthy. Uh, listen, you guys blow up the chet holmgren practice footages whenever we knew he was out for the season this past season uh i cannot imagine the numbers that it's going to do whenever we you know he's going to play and like we're watching him like practice and and, and and people are excited about that so uh chet playing center in preseason will be very fun and, and and to follow along with that throughout training camp i'm combining preseason and training camp all into one bundle of joy for the sake of this question and then lastly is there any tell or any tipping toward rotations and the reason i put this last is not because it's like last in the terms of like interesting but it's last in terms of like i don't think we're going to know anything at training camp because i don't think that the thunder want to know anything until the end of the season really about rotations like they're they're going to explore this roster they're going to play 10 11 12 guys a night maybe more uh and, and that's just going to be the deal for this year and for pretty much every year that Mark is the head coach. Like, they're going to use the rotations and use the depth and explore the roster, and and they want to get as many looks at different lineup combinations as they possibly can to know what works, what doesn't work, and if they can find anything to give them an advantage. So rotations are going to be a talking point all season long, this summer, this training camp, this regular season, et cetera. But I put it last on the list because, first of all, the Thunder aren't going to tip their hand. Second of all, I don't think we're going to know anything about rotations for a long while. On this team. So those are the talking points that I'm excited about uh, with this Thunder team and with this Thunder, you know season ahead at Media Day at training Camp, uh, and then we'll get into the season. Uh, at Josh uh, Fish mentioned what is his role this season. uh he's gonna come off the bench. He's gonna provide great toughness., uh, he can be a player that, of course, has that winning pedigree and understands what it takes to win in high pressurized situations, Something that, you know most of this roster, hasn't experienced I I think that overall though he's a very interesting player because he's going to help you navigate the pick and roll on the the second unit and keep your second unit organized and allow them to extend leads versus let up or versus like you're just scrapping and clawing and praying you can survive the non-SGA minutes instead of trying to survive the non-SGA minutes Michich will help you um, you know feel confident to an extent, in the non-SGA minutes. Uh, obviously, uh, non-SGA minutes are always going to be worse than SGA minutes because SGA minutes are incredible. Uh, but he can help bridge that gap very well, and he can do it at a better clip than what you had on the roster, say, you know, last year. Even the last year's team, of course, won 40 games and and made the postseason. So Mitrich's role will be that of, you know, off-the-bench, secondary unit type of guy. Coming up, a lot of great questions. What trio would you rather see hit their absolute ceiling? If you knew though that the other trio had to flame out, it's going to be pitting some of our favorite players on the Thunder team against each other. But we're going to have to talk through it all, uh, plus some questions about what it's like to cover the team, some possible trades the Thunder could make, and even some trade deadline talk all the way up here in July. But this is about you, so we're going to answer any questions that you guys have for the show. Uh, so we'll talk about all that coming up. But first, let's say right now, but good friends over at Prize Picks, folks. Prize Picks is incredible. I love Prize Picks because. Price picks to me makes watching these games so much more fun and, and so much more intriguing. Because, you know, I try to watch non-sports stuff, but I just can't really find anything to get into besides watching old Seinfeld episodes. But at nighttime, you know, I like to just watch sporting events. And right now, there's only baseball happening. And so how do you make a baseball game in the middle of July more interesting? To me, it's by using prize picks. I, I use price picks at night, you know, price picks app promo code lockdown, pricepicks.com, promo code lockdown also, and you get a 100% deposit match up to $100. And so whenever you go to price picks, what you're going to be able to do is you pick two to six players and you just project where well, they score more or less than their prize pick projections. And you can win 25 times your money. That's all it is. It's just you versus those projected numbers. You're not competing with like sharks that do this for a living. It's just you First of projected numbers, and they have it for every sport, NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, men and women's college basketball, WNBA going on right now, soccer, esports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, disc golf, Eurobasket, cricket, and more. So you can sit down, and you can even combine sports. Like, if you want to, you can have a very fun weekend this weekend. You can be uh, putting into the hopper on prize picks a baseball player and a WNBA player, and they're over, under on, you know, Points for the WNBA player and hits for the MLB player, and just mix it up and have a lot of fun, and just have more stakes attached to the game that you are sitting down to watch. So that's why I personally enjoy it, is because it makes these games more enjoyable. And interesting can be made in 60 seconds or less, so you can make them in, in under a minute. And they're safe and offers fast withdrawals and currently operational in over thirty states in Canada. So go right now and download the Price Picks app. Use the code Locked On, one hundred percent deposit match up to one hundred dollars. That's Price Picks. Dot com price picks app promo code lockdown. We're back on the lockdown thunder podcast on the lockdown podcast network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking thunder basketball. Today is a mailbag podcast from you. So we're going to, we're going to give you the answers to your questions like this one from at get bunny. Get Money Ask which trio would you rather see hit their absolute ceiling? However, the trio that you don't pick flames out. So here's the two trios. Would you rather see Chet, J-Dub, and Poku hit their ceiling? Or would you rather see Josh Giddy, Casein Wallace, and Usman hit their ceiling? And again, whichever trio you pick, the other trio flames out. For me... When you're talking absolute ceiling, like the the topity top, toppity top one percent of what these players could be, it's not particularly close. I would, I would go Chet, J Dub, and Poku, because if Chet is hitting his top one percent ceiling, that means he's staying healthy. That means he's like a generational big man, and like he is just you know shot blocking, you know scoring, playmaking rebounding like he's doing all the things he's doing all the things at that point and like chet alone is like incredible you know a, a, in that situation then you have Dub. we saw what Dub did as a rookie if, if you take what he did as a rookie and you maximize that to his top one percent ceiling that is a phenomenal player and then poku is the wild card here because he's never going to reach this ceiling like remember the the appeal of poku was that he could be the seven foot ball handling, playmaking, floor spacing, scoring offensive threat who can protect the rim. So if if you now all of a sudden have, you know, Poku who's doing that, Chet who's generational at all those things, and then J-Dub, that's a very very tough trio of top 1% uh, to beat whenever you get to pair them with SGA and pair them with all the other players who won't flame out, even though it'd be at the cost of Giddy, Kaysen, and Usman. And I would wonder what flame out means in your opinion of like, do they just like, do the, Do you say that these three guys are just going to be terrible or these three guys aren't going to progress? Cause if these three guys are just going to be what they are right now. And they're not going to progress. And that's flaming out. Then it's for sure, uh, you know, the right answer uh, that the, the, the issue I think is Giddy's top 1% ceiling is incredible. I think that like, he could be like a Jason kid type of player. Uh, Kaysen top 1%, really good player. Usman top 1%, really good player. They're just not as high as Chet shade up in Poku. And if you're talking about the top 1% ceiling, what they can get to luckily for the thunder, they don't have to choose this dilemma, but it is a very good question. uh, And it's going to spark a ton of debates in the comments. I can already hear the comments, see the comments, visualize the comments of what absolute toxicity will be in there about this question. So good job from get money with that uh, question to uh, get people going. At basketball wife, who is your favorite non-thunder player of all time? But they can never have played for the Thunder, obviously. Current and all time. Uh, so some of my non-favorite Thunder players who never played for the Thunder. Uh, Jerry Stockhouse is my top player of all time. So he never played for the Thunder. And he's my favorite player of all time. So Jerry Stockhouse. Michael Finley, another one of my favorite players of all time, never played for the Thunder. Dirk, another one of my favorite players of all time, never played for the Thunder. And then those are like historic, you know, you know, all time. Currently, I love watching Luca play. I know that like he's a very hot button issue with like NBA fans, but I love watching him play. And I love watching Joel Embiid play. Uh, he goes, you know, of course, to Kansas and now in the NBA. So those would be my two favorite players to watch that are not on the Thunder roster uh, and have never played for the Thunder ever. So that's a bit of the criteria there to meet. But again, Jerry Stackhouse, Michael Finley, Dirk, Luca, Joel Embiid. But I just like watching pretty much everybody play basketball uh, at try lots of numbers. Buyers at the deadline question mark. Sure. I think that like this team is put in a position where they're going to be buyers at the deadline because in an 82 two game season from, from from where the season is going to start at to where the season will be at to come the deadline injuries are going to happen. There's going to be an obvious hold on the roster. That they need to, be, that, to have filled that you can't foresee right now to where they have these abundance of second round picks and they're going to bring something in somebody in who can fill in one of those two things, either a obvious hole in the roster or someone gets hurt and you got to, you got to try to fill their production and you can do that at the deadline. Uh, I would say too that like the deadline I would expect OKC to be active just because they're pretty much always active. And like, I wouldn't read too much into it because last year I was having to calm the waters down. You can go back and listen to the podcast. We had, on, on trade deadline day last year, I was having to calm people down that we were thinking that the Thunder were all out tanking after they traded Muscala, even though they got Sarge, who was uh, equally as productive, and, and, and they ended up, of course, making the play and and uh, could have made it pretty easily had had of course Shea not gotten COVID and gotten hurt uh, post All Star break. But nonetheless, bias to the deadline. I think that from now for the rest of this core's window, really from now for like the next decade. Yes, the Thunder are going to be buyers at the deadline because they have the ability to buy. These deadline deals are just salary matching and second-round picks. It's all—it's all they pretty much are, uh, especially when you get to the you know middle to lower tier tier of players where they're just filling in a gap. That's all that they command, and so yes, they're going to have the ability to be buyers at the deadline, and they're going to you know be able to because again, when you're buying middle-tier veterans, they're typically on a one-year contract or a contract where, yeah, they have money into next season, but it's nothing serious and it does not hinder you at all from retaining any of your core financially. So sure. We'll, we'll, we'll pull the trigger on that move. So I think that they would be buyers at the deadline uh, as long as the season goes the way that we think it could go uh, for OKC uh, at obey underscore the dope. Would you trade for Pascal Siakam without giving up any member of the core? I'm going to say no for a lot of reasons. No, number one, I don't think the Thunder are going to trade for anyone huge. Uh, people are reading a lot into, well, the Thunder have you know, 21 rostered players. They, they have to do something. They have to. This this is obviously a plan from Sam Presti. He does this every year. Like every year since I've hosted this show, people have asked me how many players are on this roster every offseason. You can go on Twitter and just search thunder roster with my name and it will be me listing out 20 names who are on this thunder roster he packs this roster to the gills every single offseason and then every single offseason it ends in a uh way where it's just trading your know, last year trading tail favors richie all these guys to houston to get back other guys who are easier to cut and then bada bing bada boom rosters down without no big splash like there, there's not going to be a big splash i don't think that i don't think that toronto and Ms. how Ujiri would be willing to give up Pascal without getting somebody of what we would consider the core of this team, but if you could get it for match, you know, matching salary of you know Dort and, and picks, uh, it'd be appealing because you know you, you'd have all the members of your core, and you can either choose to resign him, or you can just say, well, we had picks to blow anyway, so we're just going to truly have this as a rental year and then see see where the chips lie, you know, next summer. But ultimately, I don't think that this is going to happen, and it shouldn't happen, really. The Thunder are going to let this thing play out and see where they're at. I think that we are in a, such a massive rush because it feels like the window is closing in OKC when the window is just beginning. Like the, These things are just beginning. Like Josh Giddey is contract eligible at the end of the season for an extension. All that means is that like you're going to know what you're going to be paying him all the way out, you know, in two years from now, all the way, of course, through the duration of that contract. Like that money doesn't hit until the twenty-five, twenty-six season. Uh, you know, same thing with you know all these things. It's a, it's an extension, not a rip it up and and, and start paying him big money immediately type of thing. So that, like this is still far out, and um, whatever will be with those contracts will be. And we, we're seeing around the NBA right now, guys aren't hitting free agency. Uh, guys are going to be getting traded, and so like you're, you know, even if you do eventually have to, have to tap out on some of these contracts and trade, hopefully you're able to trade them for assets and and, and just keep this chain rolling. But generally I think people worry too much about uh, the contract situations and who's, how are we going to pay all these prospects? You know, it's been done before and it will be done again of keeping course together. And, you know, you look at Memphis right now, paying you know, Desmond Bain and, and JJJ and John Morant, I'd much rather be paying SGA and uh, J-Dub and Josh and, and Chet, and you know, I'd much rather be paying this score uh, long-term money. And then the Thunder, of course, have the ability to uh, set themselves up to be packed to the gills in terms of massive contracts and then fluttered out and filtered out with low-end contracts. That's the beauty of taking on all these second-round picks and all these picks in general. So like, if any team is well-positioned and well-prepared to blow this thing out of the water and uh, commit to heavy, heavy money. It's the thunder. Will they actually do it? Well, that's us wait, to, we'll, we'll wait to see that. But one way that you can assure you're not going to do that is by trading for Pascal Siakam. And then, you know, of course, once you, once you trade for him, you're going to want to extend him. There's been reports that he wouldn't want to extend with any team that trades for him. And so it's just, it's not going to be feasible. And I think that people are trying to make it happen. They're trying to like will it into existence because, oh, Sam Presti has to have something up his sleeve. He carried the maximum of guys on this roster last year, the year before that, the year before that, uh, and, and it all ends up in an anticlimactic way. It's just not the time yet. Now, next offseason, I'll tell you this, as a, as a sneak preview to, to our podcast on July 18th, 2024, that'd be the correct year, right? Yeah, 2024. I cannot hold you back any longer. So when we do a mailbag podcast on... July 18th, 2024, and you flutter in questions about Pascal Siakam, about Donovan Mitchell, about De'Aaron Fox, about whoever, Joel Embiid, about whoever is the the, the hot name at the time, I can no longer at that point temper expectations because it'll be time to, you know, make a move more than likely. But as far as this offseason, we're just not there yet. Just not there yet. It's It's like that old movie. Are we there yet? No, we're not there yet. That's of the uh, lone pop culture references that you're going to get on the show. So, we got to process Pascal Siakam. Now, what is it like to cover the thunder? What is shame's loyalty level? And what Taylor Swift song best describes the thunder? We'll talk about all that coming up on today's Lockdown Thunder podcast. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast.org, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you talking Thunder basketball. For your next listen, check out the Lockdown NBA podcast for the national perspective on basketball. You can also text the show 405-963-3686. Follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore style. Subscribe on YouTube. Leave a like, leave a comment, leave a review, uh, wherever you get your podcast from at Parker Eaves. What Taylor Swift song describes the Thunder? It's got to be 22, right? One of the it's probably their average age of this roster once it's all said and done in, in uh, October. But yeah, let's go with 22. I could also see anti hero because for some reason people just hate the Thunder nationally, uh, it feels like, but let's go with 22 for the uh, the age aspect. Ivory Towns asks, How likely is it that Shay is forced to stay level to, to the Thunder like Dame? I wouldn't say like forced to stay loyal because in this era of player empowerment, players can always make a mess of things and always demand a trade and always you know, get their way. I think ultimately Dame will get his way and go to Miami. I like guess it, the players are in control here, even under contract, even, even after signing for max money. Uh, but I think that if you, if you flip this question and, you know, see it from like an advantage point of like, why would Shea stay loyal? I think if you take Shay, and his list of things he wants to accomplish something that he's been very consistent about throughout his career, pre post during OKC era, like of what he wants to accomplish in his career, being a franchise guy, being a guy who's like a franchise, all-time great, all-time leading scorer in the franchise. He talked about that after Dame, you know, immediately enough set the Blazers record in OKC this year. He talked about how he wants to accomplish that sort of thing. Um, If you take all that stuff to heart, he's at a point in his career now where he can only get that kind of stuff in OKC. Like, like he, he can't start over from point point number zero and become a franchise's leading scorer anywhere else at this point in his career, uh, you know, except for, you know, of course an expansion franchise. Uh, but you know, I think that, I think that this stuff doesn't matter to him of like legacy and um, it being his franchise. And even, I think that, you know, even winning one and then it being for sure, you, you know, you were the guy of, it was your franchise that won one. Uh, versus like had to go somewhere else to win. I, I think that stuff probably matters to him, as, at least from the way that he, he speaks about it um, and speaks about legacy and speaks about what he wants to do in his career. So like maybe that would be a driving edge of why Shea uh, would stay loyal. But ultimately, this is all a futile exercise in terms of trying to predict if a player would or wouldn't go down this path. The bottom line is, as a small market, you can only you can only count on what you can control. So for example, you know, the thunder have SGA under contract until, you know, he hits free agency in 2027. Uh, They can only count on this window right here of, of 2023, 24 season, all the way through the 26, 27 season. Hope he hasn't been to trade in that time. And you've got four chances at it. And then if he still re-ups with you at the end of this, that's great. And and you just continue on rolling. But, um, you can't count on that in a small market because things change so quickly uh, for these stars. So, I think that the the driving force that the Thunder have in their back pocket with with keeping Shea loyal is there's going to be it's going to be hard pressed to find a better combination of a coach that you know, Shea really likes, a front office that he trusts, a front office that he not only trusts but has the assets to um, you know, surround with talent and, and sustain talent around him uh, with with the right decisions, and then. As we mentioned, you know, the legacy aspect of like owning a franchise in the sense of like, you know, he has a chance to be the guy that, that gets this franchise over the hump. Uh, and that's really appealing probably uh, from what Shea has said. So those things I would think would factor into you know why Shea would be loyal or how he'd be loyal. But at the end of the day, we never really know anything until until we do. Like we never know. Uh, Kevin Durant's going to go to Golden State until we do. And Kevin Durant wasn't going to be loyal until we knew. And so predicting it is very, very hard and nearly impossible. At O'Connell Keegan, who will take the biggest leap this season? So I'll have two answers to this. I don't know if it's like that's a cop or not. I think I test who will look the most different on the court will be Usman Jang. I think that he'll look, he'll look the most different to the eye when you're just watching a game. I think stat wise, Josh Giddy could just, and, and I think he will just absolutely feast. And like, you'll look at his basketball reference page after the season's over and like, he'll shoot up and assist. I, I think that he'll continue to get better shooting the basketball from beyond the arc. Uh, I think that the game will open up for him offensively in terms of scoring too, just by product of like, you know, the defenses being more stretched than with lineups that he's a part of. So I, I think that Josh Giddy could have a really big renaissance in terms of like his, it's just pure raw box score. Uh, all stuff watching him that we knew he could do, the box score will catch up to him versus like Usman Jang, where like, I think that watching him, you'll see a big difference, even if the box score is still lagging behind a little bit. Uh, Charlie asked, with rumors of expansion uh, coming to Seattle and Vegas, has an impact OKC? Uh, it doesn't really matter where they put them for OKC's sake, for all intents and purposes, because even though there's two West teams, they would likely move out. Memphis or, or Minnesota or New Orleans and not OKC. So someone will get kicked to the East, but it won't be OKC. Uh, you can only lose two players at a maximum, so you can only protect eight players. But you know, for example, in the expansion draft, Seattle and Vegas are going to be drafting players from from these teams. So every team will protect eight players. The players left unprotected will go into the expansion draft from there. Seattle and Vegas will, will pick those players and fill out their roster. The thing is, Seattle can pick one player from OKC. And Vegas can pick one player from OKC, but they can't pick two or three or four. So like you can only lose two players at a maximum uh, of your unpredicted players. So that's how it impacts OKC. And we talked about kind of uh, who would we protect uh, last week on this podcast. So go back and listen to that as well. All right. Now we get into some questions about covering the team and kind of personal journey stuff. So if that's of interest to you, here we go. At Thunder Hardwood, what would be or what has been your journey to get here uh, so i've known since the third grade that i wanted to become a media member like i ever since the third grade i just wanted to be dan patrick and not like some star athlete because i was pretty self-aware at the third grade of like hey i freaking suck at sports like i'm not good uh, so i wanted to be dan patrick and not like a star athlete which is pretty weird at the time i mean as you can imagine if some little elementary school kid wanted to be dan patrick people would uh, uh get him checked in so it was not great growing up, I started a podcast in high school, which sucked, uh, but it was a a way to get reps. Uh, I was an unpaid contributor at Thunder's intentions, which I'm now the site uh, editor over there, but in high school, I was unpaid. Um, just putting out articles that uh, were probably terrible, uh, without the help of the editor there who edited them all up and spruced them up and made them look good, uh, went to college for journalism. And in college as a freshman started doing high school football play 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 by play. Um, Actually, I was a sophomore in college, not not freshman. Uh, started doing high school football play by play. Started out with Cash High School, uh, which was just an experience. that Cash High School football play play was fun, but there were some all, all obvious facilities in four A that were not great to be broadcasting games in, and it was a weird kind of environment to be in in four A Cash football. And then went to uh, my next season. Uh, as doing play-to-play for high school football, I got moved to Lawton High, so getting moved up to 6A was huge. I've been in Lawton High since then, uh, still to this day doing Lawton High football play-to-play on Oklahoma Sports Network. Uh, and then simultaneously with that, I started doing uh, sports information stuff I'm at my university, so I would broadcast their games on play-to-play for my college, uh, did press releases, stuff like that, just sports information stuff, which I, I would encourage everyone, uh, if you're going to school for this, and want to do this, no matter what school you go to in the entire universe, go to their sports information office. I guarantee you they need some help and you can get some really good experience doing a multitude of things, broadcasting, uh, podcasting, pre- press releases, content, graphic design. Like, they do everything at sports information offices. So like go there, you're going to find work. You're going to find reps. You're going to find just you know stuff there to help you uh, get better at this. Uh, and so, uh, then a- after i started working in sports information at my university i started lockdown royals so i started that show literally started it. it it did not exist before i uh inquired about it did lockdown royals for a little bit and then i saw that uh brie trantham had stepped away from lockdown thunder and at that point there had been like five or six hosts of lockdown thunder and um it the show was never truly consistent and so i asked the, the bosses like hey I think that I can deliver a consistent podcast and hopefully a podcast that uh, is what the fan base deserves. So I took over in May, 2020. Uh, I got credentialed for the 2020, 21 season. And from there, I've been covering the team uh, daily on this podcast um, and in person this past season And the rest is history, like doing this and uh, Thunders Intentions stuff now as the editor at thundersintentions.com. And so that's been the journey to get to this point. And like I said, there's going to be some fun stuff this season. So stay tuned for that as well. Uh, 24 tigers on YouTube. Uh, hey, I love the pod. Thank you. I'm curious uh, what it's like watching a thunder game when you're not in attendance, are you posted up on the couch? Are you watching it on a TV, a computer, uh, any snacking what's going on? So uh, yeah. So for, for road games, whenever I'm not in the arena, cause I don't, I don't travel to road games. I don't, you know, didn't go to summer league, whatever. Um, I'm just, sitting here at the battle station and i've got six screens in my office from you know left to right far left i've got the thunder game on a monitor uh which is on roughly a five second delay um on this screen and then to the right of that i have uh stats up during the season i have court side which is like you know what what you see on the scores table like up to the second uh stats of what's happening uh which helps me stay locked in there And then to the right of that, I have the game on television, which is in real time. So a five second delay stats and then real time television of the game. Uh, And then to the right of that, I have the most important game that ties into the thunder of the night. So uh, whether that be, you know, a game between Minnesota and Denver that ties into the standings or whatever, just to keep an eye on what the score is like how, how it can maybe directly impact OKC or just the best game of the night. That's not the thunder just to kind of keep an eye on what's happening around the NBA during stoppages uh, for the Thunder game. Then on my actual computer screen, I'll have tweet deck pulled up. uh, And then I have a journal off to the side right here that I'll be taking notes on um, throughout the entire game of different, you know, different plays and different highlight points that I want to talk about on the show. Uh, I'll be having no snacks during the Thunder games because there's not time to have snacks, but I do drink a ton of water and a ton of coffee. I should say I should drink more water a ton of coffee uh, on road games. I try to go out to Starbucks and get a couple of Venti uh, coffees before tip off, but I at least make two or three Keurig coffees during games to be wired up for the game and wired up for the podcast afterward. So then you know, not snacking, just drinking coffee and water. Then I laid out my whole setup here uh, of what's on the screens after the game ends. I'll uh, take my notes from physical paper and put them on a Google doc sheet and organize them. Uh, while I'm listening to post game to see if there's anything notable that was said about, you know, a certain moment in the game or injury updates, whatever. Uh, and so then I'll translate the notes from hard copy to digital copy. Uh, after I do that, I'll make the thumbnail on backdrop. So the backdrop you see right here about the rundown of what's on the show today, et cetera, then the thumbnail up for YouTube. Then I'll write up the description for the podcast. You know, on today's show, we're going to talk about this, 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 and this, this, or record the show. And then that makes uploading it very easy. Cause at the end of, as soon as I hit done recording, I just go to YouTube. I go to our podcasting hosting site, upload the files. And I already can just copy and paste the descriptions. Now that I've already re- written them out, hit the thumbnail in there, drop the ads in there, but bing, we're done. We're uploaded. You get the podcast as, as fast as possible at that point. Um, and then wrap up some, some work on the site for you know, you know game recaps and everything else. And then that's it. It's over with. So That's what it's like to cover road games uh, whenever you're not in the arena. At Thunder Wilker, what are your stats that you're putting up in an NBA game for a 48-minute game as a number one option? Well, let me put it this way. Daniel Bell, if you've heard some buzzing on the desk, Daniel Bell is currently blowing up my phone. There's 14 messages. I just looked. There's 14 messages from Daniel Bell about putting together another media game. And uh, if you made me the number one option for 48 minutes at the media game, I would dang near have no stats. I uh, certainly will not have any stats at all during an NBA game besides maybe a couple fouls just because I'm in the way and uh, a blocked shot, my shot that got blocked. Not that I blocked the shot. Um, What else could I do? I could maybe get a screen assist if we're being extremely lenient. like So if like I pass to Shea, right? And then Shea's going to take a sidestep three, which had nothing to do with my screen, but I just walk over there and the defender's like, hey, this is a random game in February. it's And I have no idea why they're letting this kid play who's terrible and just stupid looking. I'm not even going to try to close out and I just brush my shoulder against him and they count that as a screen assist. I could probably get one of those what else could i do it's pretty much it now i will say i would lead the league in vibes like you this this anyone at the media games can attest to i will hype you up like i am the ultimate hype man i'm, I'm the best teammate to have as a hype man because i will just be in there talking and 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 bringing the juice energy wise cuz i can't do anything else literally anything else uh, at love I I love OKC, Thunder. Uh, What does your life look like in the summertime as things cool down for the Thunder? Luckily in the NBA is not like the other sports. Like in the NBA, it's like a month of dead period time. And then you get like content again uh, to talk about. But uh, I'll go back and I'll watch every possession on Synergy of Casey Wallace and and Kathy Johnson and Michich, uh, all the newcomers, just to get a firm grasp on like what they did, every possession, what they did last season uh, for their respective teams. I love watching like the NBA tv like they start doing like a countdown of like replaying old games and i left on that on like just to have it on while i'm doing other work throughout the day uh and then i try to like look at look at different things and like hone in on different things so for example this is a quick one um Keanthe johnson at, at his rookie presser said that he wants to improve his turnovers so i will go to synergy this week and i will uh load up every single Kenneth johnson college turnover every single turnover he's ever made in college i'll load it up and i'll watch every single one of them and i'll watch them over and over and over again and i'll try to see like is there a common theme like when he's doing this like this is why he turns the ball over like for example Darius basically like there's basically going to drive and and spin around he usually, usually loses the ball is there something like that with Keanthe johnson like this is why he's losing the ball this is how i would imagine he's going to try to fix it by his own accord um i'll try to do that for like different topics that that are very high strong and and well thought out uh, i try to find again non-sport stuff to watch but i typically just fall back on watching seinfeld over and over again and can't find anything else to watch and then uh, i do follow football like i'm just, just a pure fan like I, I don't have to be some total total obs- obsessive media member i can just be a total fan and relaxed so i do watch a lot of football with my dad and and we follow the Chiefs and Tennessee and Kansas football. And then, of course, follow OU and OSU to see what they're doing just because like they're local and just to not be a total idiot in the market. But, uh, yeah, Chiefs, Tennessee, Kansas, uh, OU, stuff like that. Watch them um, just to have something to do until, until basketball returns. And then, before you know it, basketball is back and we're cooking. We're cooking again. Uh, at Cade Kimball, my guy who carries the 2K squad. Obviously me. I carry the 2K squad uh, but sometimes Cade does carry. I'm not gonna lie, but but me and Cade are like Tatum and Brown, where it's like one of us is gonna carry that night, and the other one's gonna play good. And we have capable guys around us. It's not like the guys around us are terrible, but we're gonna be the the guys on the team. Other guys around us are gonna be you know solid players It helps us win, it helps us win games. Uh, and then the last one from Matt Parker Eves: What is the order from Waterburger and and Brahms? I actually don't like Brahms food except for breakfast food. So a sausage biscuit is the order from Brahms. I don't like their like lunchtime, dinner, time food at all. Uh, I do like the birthday cake ice cream now uh, for, for their ice cream. And then from Whataburger, a number two with cheese, very plain and simple. No, uh, no mustard, switch the mustard out with ketchup, uh, but there you go. So you have it there. You want me to have questions all answered here on today's show. Uh, so continue to subscribe and listen to Lockdown Thunder for your fix of Thunder content during the off season because we're here for you every single morning every single day and until tomorrow be good and be good to one another